0: What's up everyone welcome to the big 10 football talk podcast from your host Zach Guggenheim we are going to break down the thrilling overtime win by Michigan over Alabama we're going to talk the other big 10 games as well happy new year happy 2024 got a lot to break down uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, leave a review, share with your friends, uh, follow us on Twitter, X, whatever you call it these days, and Instagram. Make sure to send me emails, big10footballtalk at gmail.com. This was a massive game, not just for Michigan, but for the Big Ten. And I'm I'm gonna start by saying this in terms of Big Ten perception with Michigan defeating Alabama in overtime. I want to break down the game, but I I first want to talk about a Big Ten perspective here. It had been a rough few days for the Big Ten. Ohio State got pantsed on national television on the 29th, which we'll talk about. And Penn State, you know, understandably struggled a bit with Ole Miss's offense with some of the opt-outs, but Penn State's offense, again, stunk um and James Franklin was confusing a lot of the time with some of some of his decision making Iowa got just crushed and Wisconsin was sadly uh they were they had a 14 nothing lead and they had a lead in the fourth quarter and then they they kind of just blew the game in the last few minutes in a game quite honestly that Wisconsin had no right to be in. But it was just, it kind of felt like it just added salt to the wound because the Big Ten was hurting. The only win they had after the 29th was Maryland beating up on Auburn, which was a bit of a surprise. I thought Maryland would win, but I I didn't think they would win that decisively. So here comes Michigan, Alabama, and it kind of just felt like, to me, it felt like those old, those years where, you know, Ohio State, was in the national championship games and then they got beat pretty badly in those and it was a bad day for the Big Ten. I think 2006 in particular when Ohio State and Michigan were both highly rated teams. It was after the big one versus two game and you know they both just got pantsed on national television and you're like, oh my gosh, the Big Ten is so much worse than I thought. And there, there's a lot of explanation for this go-around, but my sinking feeling in my chest was oh no, this is going to happen to Michigan and the Big Ten perception is going to go down the drain. That did not change on the first play of the game when J.J. McCarthy throws a ball that I'm like, I can't believe you just threw that. That's a pick. It wasn't a pick by like six inches. And that's kind of what the Michigan-Alabama game felt like for Michigan. And really for both teams, that both teams made a lot of mistakes it was a sloppy game. Um, I, I'd argue that Michigan made so many more miscues in this game, although I think Milroe obviously had a few. I, I thought, I, I, I'll break down the game more, but I thought, you know, Alabama did not play clean ball, and you could tell by, the, I think, the six or seven sacks that the offensive line gave up. But, I mean, Michigan, in, in many ways, was lucky to win this game, and because of that, I think it demonstrates their strength. Because this was a game where, I, you know, I've said for for all season long, I thought special teams was a strength for Michigan. They were atrocious. They, they cost Michigan 11 points in this game. Because they really struggled. They struggled to contain, uh, or they they they. Sorry, I, I'm watching the Washington Texas game as I'm as I'm recording this. There's no way I'm going to be able to to stay up late. I got a conference tomorrow that I got to go to, so that's why I'm a little I'm staggering with my words. I got I got the Washington game as as uh, as Washington Polk just had a big time play. Um, so if you're listening to this, you know it's the first quarter with 11:28 left in the uh, first quarter of the Sugar Bowl. Special teams cost Michigan 11 11 points because. Morgan muffs the ball early in the first quarter and Th- Jace McClellan then runs for a touchdown. That should have been Michigan ball and instead it's a touchdown the other way. They miss the extra point. They miss a field goal. And then the, the crazy play at the end of regulation where Thaw, who's a not-their-normal return man, A, he decides to field it at like the four-yard line, which is a no-no. But then he muffs it. He fields it at the one-yard line. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how did you how did you do this? And, and Kirk Herbstreit made a great point on the broadcast. Good for that young man to not make two mistakes. Because he could have muffed it and then not focused on the ball and not gathered it in, and then the game would have been over. But instead, he gathers himself, gets the ball, they're able to run out the clock, and they're able to win it in overtime. But my point is this. Michigan was the better team. And honestly, this game should not have been as close as it was. Like this Michigan is for real, and I, I thought they were a really good team. But I, I picked I picked Alabama to win 24 to 20, which I was, I was pretty close on the score. But the reality is this should not have gone to overtime. Michigan shot themselves in the foot over and over. And over again, but when when the chips were down, when things mattered, JJ McCarthy made a play. Blake Corum made a play. That dude's ridiculous, by the way. He he finally looked healthy to me today. Like for all, all season, I feel like he's looked a step slow. I, I felt like the offensive line didn't do, wasn't generating a lot of push, and. The offensive line didn't generate a ton of push in this game, uh, at least not all all game. But in spurts, they were dominant. And in that overtime drive, especially, dominant. And Blake Corum, man, I thought Alabama got away with a a face mask. Didn't matter. He spun around, got the uh, school record for touchdowns. The dude is awesome. I love Blake Corum. And I know at, at times I probably haven't sounded like it, but he's a tough guy. He's an awesome dude, and as much as a Buckeye fan hates to admit it, he's a, a fantastic player, and he's been a fantastic ambassador for the Michigan program. So I, I love that he was the guy who got the game-winning touchdown. Um, I thought McCarthy struggled. You know, a lot of my concerns about him came to bear. The, the near pick at the beginning of the game, I thought at times he was he was. Aiming the ball. I thought at times he was throwing it too too hard to his receivers. Um, there's the one throw to Samaj Morgan where he just threw a bullet. And, you know, Morgan's got to catch it. But, I mean, it just went through his hands. And you're like, man, just he's wide open. Just touch pass. Um, and so I thought he was inconsistent in this game. But, again, when when the game was on the line, he did not flinch. Uh, He did not not waver, which I thought the third and most of the fourth quarter, I I thought Michigan really, they they looked like they didn't belong. Like they looked scared. Quite honestly, they looked like Ohio State playing Michigan the past few years because I feel like Ohio State has kind of turtled. I felt like Michigan turtled a little bit in the third and fourth quarter. But again, give JJ a lot of credit because four and a half minutes left in this game, and it's go time. And I thought Sharon Moore called a great drive. Um, Roman Wilson had a couple of huge plays in this game. Honestly, the the biggest, this the second biggest play. Um, I'll get to the first one in a minute, which led to the go-ahead touchdown in the first half. But the play where J.J. McCarthy, he threw a ball that it was... Really hard that even though it got tipped by the uh, by the backer for Alabama, the ball it the ball got tipped and it was still a perfect spiral. But what it did is it elevated the ball, and Roman Wilson saw it and he adjusted to it where the the defender I think it was Kool Aid McKinstry did not. No, it wasn't McKinstry. It was the safety. I forget which safety. It wasn't Downs. It was one of the other safeties. I think it might have been Brant. No, Branch is in the NFL. I'm not sure. I don't know Alabama's personnel as well uh, as I would like. Um, But the safety did not adjust. Roman Wilson did, and he made an athletic grab. And that play set up their touchdown, which was a a brilliant play call. Just a great play call by uh, Sharon Moore to get them in the end zone to tie the game. That, that play, I mean, just a, an amazing play by Roman Wilson. The other play, and, uh, you know, it won't be talked about as much as Blake Corum at the end and, and the game-tying dri- game drive, but J.J. McCarthy securing the double pass in the middle of the second quarter, at the, the tail end of the second quarter, and being able to throw it while getting crushed by Dallas Turner... You know, fading away and throwing it again to Roman Wilson, who gets the catch. And what he's able to do there, I mean, it was an—it was amazing just that he secured the ball. And if he threw it out of bounds, it would have been a great play because that, Donovan Edwards did not throw him a great ball. It was a bad throw. Uh, it was a bad pass. And if that goes haywire, it's a backwards pass. It's a fumble. Could have easily been six the other way. At the very least, it's a turnover. Instead, McCarthy not only gets rid of it, he completes the pass for a first down, and they score a touchdown. If they don't do that, I mean, you're, you're talking about plays by inches that could have been disasters instead that McCarthy's able to rescue. Those are the little things. Like, I, I don't think McCarthy played a great game. But when the chips were down, when things mattered... That's, like, he really showed up today, and that was a big deal. Just a huge deal for this team, and whoever they get, whether it's Washington or Texas, Michigan is going to be a tough out, and I've said it all year. I think Michigan is the most complete team. I think they showed today they're the most complete team in the playoff. Now, they got to get the special teams stuff cleaned up, but if they do, like, defensively, I mean, they... I mean, they were a menace. They're a menace. Those defensive tackles, Mason Graham had a big game. The linebackers, you know, that front seven was menacing. And granted, whoever Michigan plays in the final will have better skill position players on the outside. But I would argue that at least, uh, I don't think either offensive line for Texas or Washington is better than Bama. At this point, now I could be wrong. I think Texas could be maybe on that level, but I, I will be very concerned. And neither neither Texas or Washington have as athletic of a quarterback or as mobile of a quarterback. Both can run, but Milroe is certainly the more athletic of the of the two or of the three. So I, I like Michigan going into it. I think they'll be able to bruise. I think Texas pro- would probably be the tougher matchup for them. But I, I, think, I think Michigan certainly I think will be the favorite in whoever they play. But I think it's, it, it was – yeah, I, I like Michigan in, in both, uh, against both teams here. Um, I'll give credit to Alabama. I thought they played hard. And I said I, – I've said two things, and these aren't mutually exclusive – I thought Florida State deserved to be in over Alabama because of resume, because you're an undefeated P5 team. But I also thought if Alabama got into the playoff, they would be the the most dangerous team. And I thought they played with heart. You know, they came back in the third quarter and and early in the fourth quarter and really controlled the game. I really thought they were going to win it, uh, both when it was 20-13 to and, you know, when Michigan missed the field goal and Alabama was driving, I thought I thought Michigan was in trouble. and then when Alabama got the ball back when Michigan tied it up, I thought, oh boy, well like I, it's on my Twitter timeline. Will Reichert, 50 plus yard field goal. this is how this game is going to end. And it didn't. Um, but you know, Milroe did not play his best game. And the passing game really struggled, which has been my concern with Alabama all season. Um, I thought they would scheme some stuff up. They did not. Uh, or they schemed some stuff up, but ultimately it wasn't enough. And credit to Alabama, I think, you know, And if you want to say best four teams, sure, they, best four teams, um, you know, they, they certainly were good. Um, but, you know, Michigan, Michigan took it to them. And they were the better team. And if Michigan doesn't make the mistakes that they made, this is not an overtime victory. This is probably a, a two-score win. And it's, it's good. It's not just good for Michigan. I mean, it's great for Michigan. But it's really it really helps the Big Ten and perception. Because And I know a lot of opposing fans, you don't want to hear this. Right, Ohio State fans especially. You know, you know, you don't want to root for Michigan, right? But let's just be clear. If this if Michigan got trounced today, like this was not like the Big Ten would not live this down, right? Because the SEC has been taking the Big Ten to the woodshed, right? Like Ohio State didn't look like they could field a competent offense. Penn State doesn't look like they fielded a competent offense. Iowa, we know, doesn't feel a feel a competent offense, right? When Wisconsin was your best hope for a win before Michigan, that's a problem. And quite Wisconsin acquitted themselves quite well, by the way. But we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But this was huge for Michigan. It was huge. It was huge for Michigan. Huge for the Big Ten. Um, And so, congrats to Michigan. I am recording this as Texas and Washington are playing, so I'm not. I don't know who they're facing. Uh, I will get a podcast out probably, probably by next Monday, either next Monday or or on Saturday before the game to give my thought on the Michigan matchup with whoever they play. Uh, it'd be really fun if it's Michigan versus Washington in terms of just big 10 versus future big 10. It'd be fun if it's a North versus North matchup. That's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for, quite honestly. Um, I like Washington. I like Penix. Uh, as I speak, it's seven to seven tie game. So we'll see. I think. I think it, watching the game, I think it, it'll it'll be fun. I picked Washington to win, but as I'm watching things play out, I I have some concern about Washington's ability to stop the run. Uh, let's talk about some of the other games. Um, I want to go back to Friday the twenty ninth. Ohio State lost to Missouri, fourteen to three which was, I think, really surprising on a lot of fronts. Now, I I want to be clear that there's a lot of asterisks in this game. Because of opt-outs, Marvin Harrison did not play. Kyle McCord was not there because he transferred to Syracuse. Julian Fleming, who's their best blocking receiver, not there. A lot of other guys, you know, I think... Their, their backup running back who's in the transfer portal whose name escapes me all of a sudden, uh, Trainum, Chip Trainum you know is at Kentucky, they could have really used him they could have really used Marv they 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 could have really used a lot of different they they could have used McCord, and not only that but Devin Brown who got most of the reps in bowl bowl prep he was out, so that does color things and you have to you have to look at it in context that being said they had a lot of guys play in this game that you would have expected maybe to opt out if they were going to the NFL draft and we don't we don't know a lot about what's going on with the NFL draft for a lot of guys we know Mike Hall is going to the draft a lot of other people have not declared yet uh more transfers came out though a couple wide receivers um Which is a little surprising, but, you know, they they recruit that room really well and they don't rotate a lot. So, but the game, the, the thing, the two takeaways I had from this game was, one, the defense was phenomenal. Like, the defense was legit. And Missouri's, like, Missouri's offense is really good. Like, that trio of Burden and Schrader and Cook is one of the top three in the whole country. And they've got other receivers, Theo Weiss, Mookie Cooper. Like, they've got a really good receiving core. Um, and I thought Ohio State's defense acquitted themselves quite nicely. You would have liked them to hold up in the fourth quarter, and but they were gassed. And part of that gives me questions, which I'll, I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But... The defense and that back seven played about as well as you could. And that front seven, front four was phenomenal. Uh Jack Sawyer played the game of his life. So really I thought the key weakness of the of the defense was the linebackers. Um, like the back the, the defensive backs were really good. They were hitting hard. The front four were, were really good. I thought the linebackers and, and I thought uh Sonny Styles struggled a bit at safety. I think he's probably more of a linebacker maybe even defensive end down the line. But defense was 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 good. It was really good. The offense stunk. And for that alone, like the, the offensive line, I, I thought the offensive line had progressed a lot. For some reason, they changed the offensive line. They they shifted Matt Jones over and I don't know why. I, I thought it it made zero sense. Um and I know there are some explanations out there. It did not work. They were awful. Like, it didn't matter who was the quarterback in that game. Like, people were saying, oh, if Kyle McCord played, they would have won. Uh, how? How would they have won? Like, nobody had time. Like, that that's part of the reason why Devin Brown got hurt. Well, Devin Brown got hurt because the turf, the turf, something with the turf was not good. But the reality is, it was not a good. It was not a good showing for that line. It was the worst offensive line performance I have witnessed Ohio State have. So I, I thought that was that was not good. You know the quarterbacking. Eh, you know it's you can't. You know people are like, well, is, what's the future of the quarterback room? I don't know. Because I think Tom Brady could have been there out at there. I think Mike Vick could have been out there, and they, would have, they wouldn't have been able to score much. That's how bad the offensive line was. And the offensive coaching staff did nothing to adjust, which is my main takeaway. This team needs to figure out what they're doing on offense because the current model is not working. Ryan Day cannot call plays and also be the head coach. That was true last year, and he had one great game against Georgia. And because of that, it seemed like, well, maybe I can call the place. You can't. Give him up. You can't do two things. So that's one. Second, Justin Fry needs to walk. Because this performance and this offensive line was the worst offensive line performance I have seen maybe since 2004. Maybe like early 2014 when that offensive line was just trying to gel. It was abysmal. It was awful. There is no reason why a good but not great defensive line should have been this active, especially when they didn't do anything different throughout the game. Up oh, there's, there's an overload on the, on the left. Oh, there's an overload on the right. I wonder if they'll catch it. Nope. Hey, let's just exploit number 66, Enoch Vamahi, over and over and over and over again. And it was like as soon as Lincoln Kingholtz came in, it was like, well, oh well, game's over. Let's just rely on our defense. And, you know, it was was just abysmal. I, I, I don't know what to say. And this is, I think if you're Ryan Day, you've got one more shot to kind of not blow up your program, but look at your program and say, okay, Whatever is a B or lower, it's time to blow it up. One of those things is strength and conditioning because that defense gets gassed regularly. They play well for three quarters. They played well for three quarters against Michigan. They played well for three quarters against uh, Notre Dame. But in their fourth quarter, they start to break down. And that's strength and conditioning. And I don't know, I, I, I love Mickey Marathi. He's not it. Or he, he need, they need—they need to evolve, and if he's not going to evolve, he needs to leave. Parker Fleming should be fired like five years ago. I know he wasn't on staff five years ago. He never should have been hired. I—they're just these offensive coaches, and they—and they need to get a, a play call. If they're not going to give play calling to Brian Hartline, then get an offensive coordinator who will play calls to be a co-offensive coordinator with Brian Hartline. Like, come on, this is ridiculous. This is Ohio State. You have four and five star quarterbacks. You have four and five star running backs. You have four and five star quarterbacks. I don't care if you're on your third string freshman. He should at least be able to complete a slant pattern or a screen pass. And you should have, have at least some offensive lineman who can hold their block for more than a half a second. Like, some people should be walking home. Speaking of people who should be walking home, James Franklin, boy, oh boy. Now, Penn State, I'll give Penn State this. Defensively, defensively, you, you can't blame them because of the opt-outs, right? Both corners were out. You know, uh Chop Robinson was out. That that really made it difficult for them. And I get gi- I give you that. But on the other side, Ole Miss had two NFL corners opting out of this game. And this offense, as it has all season long, has not been great. Like Drew Drew Aller was 19 to 39. Listen, at some point, you gotta stop saying it's the receivers. Right? Like I I know, I know the receivers aren't great. Like, Lambert Smith didn't have a catch in this game? Like, what are we doing? You know, Penn State has got to figure this out. And I'm not sure that, I, I either Drew Aller's not the guy that I thought he would be, or James Franklin is ruining another pocket passer. Now, Andy Kotelnicki, maybe he fixes it. But this, this performance by Penn State, their offense, is, is shameful. And not only that, it's so it's so bad because the, the reality is you have fourth and 17. You're down by 14 points. And James Franklin's like, well, we don't have a fourth and 17th play, 17 play. I don't trust my guy, we're gonna kick a field goal in the fourth quarter. Like, what are you doing? What kind of play call is that? You're in a bowl game. You have nothing to lose, and you you kick wide. Well, you 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 have no confidence in your in your quarterback. You have no confidence in your offense. It's it's just absurd. And again, James Franklin, similar to Ryan Day, I would argue that James Franklin and Ryan Day are in similar boats. They need to figure this out because. I was confident that Penn State this year and next year was their window to win the Big Ten and possibly win a national championship. Now, maybe, maybe Kotal changes things, and I think Tom Allen's a really good hire. But they've got to figure this out because this offense is it is not the way it should be. And like Ole Miss is not a great, is not a great defense. And so I, I know the yardage looks good. Like they had over 500 yards. That looks good. But their efficiency is is not great. Too many stops. Too inconsistent. And their quarterback development is bad. It has been... It's been abysmal. If I'm honest. And... There's a lot of stats that look good, but ultimately Penn State's offense was inefficient and unhelpful. And and Penn State has to figure out a way to, to do better on this side of the ball. Otherwise, they're, they're missing their window. Because their recruiting has not been... Their recruiting the past couple cycles has not been what it was two years ago where we thought, okay, maybe they can compete with, with Ohio State and Michigan. So I... I know some Penn State fans will say, "Well, the offense was was okay." Not it was not what it needs to be against a mediocre defense. Like you've got to be able to put up more than seventeen in non-junk time, and let's not forget that one of those touchdowns came on a trick play. So, I I think there's a lot of a lot of things that you have to talk, you have to evaluate here. Um, let me go real quick to Iowa-Tennessee. I did not watch much of the game. All I can say is this is, again, it's inexcusable. 35-0. I thought Iowa would, would have a shot because Tennessee's defense, again, not great. It's not. Tennessee's defense is not great, and they were starting a freshman quarterback. By the way, freshman quarterbacks can sometimes do well, Ohio State, but I digress. Tennessee started a freshman quarterback against one of the best defenses in the country, and they scored 35 points. Why? Because Iowa couldn't move the ball. It's what I've been saying week after week after week. And this is why Kirk Ferentz, as much as he's complained and as much as Iowa fans want Kirk Ferentz to be, him to be the coach of the year, he's not because he will not evolve. And quite honestly... This was a Brian Ferrett special. I mean, it was just 35 nothing. Just what are we doing? What is Iowa doing? They they went 10 and 4, lost in the Big Ten championship game, threw for 60 yards, had 173 yards total. I I hope for Iowa fans that it gets better. Because this again, it was a bad showing. See, do you see where I, like Michigan saved the pro, saved the Big Ten's rep? Them in Maryland, which I'll I'll talk a little bit about Maryland here at the end. Um, but I mean, could you imagine if Michigan lost? I mean, Iowa lost by thirty-five. Penn State lost by thirteen, and honestly, it was worse than that. Ohio State lost by eleven and looked non-functional on offense. It's bad. It's bad. Michigan saved their bacon, which I know nobody wants to hear. Um, And again, there's asterisks all around, right? I get that. But perception matters. It really does. Especially when ESPN owns all the rights to the playoff, right? Just going to leave that there. Um, Wisconsin-LSU. I thought Wisconsin would get blown out in this game. But this game kind of showed why I was high on Tanner Mordecai at the beginning of the season. I thought he played his best game as a Badger. Part of that's LSU's defense is not very good. But, you know, without Braylon Allen, they, I thought they played really well. Will Pauling was very good in this game, had two touchdowns, had his best game as a Badger. Um, and I think I think showed, even in a loss, that Fickle has them going in the right direction. I think Phil Longo getting more time... You know, getting Tyler Van Dyke in there is going to be, I think, really good for them and 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 for that program going forward. Um, you know, and Jackson Acker uh, had a good game, and they're getting some, they're going to have some more talent coming in that running back room uh, next season as well. So I I think the future is bright for Wisconsin. You know, it stinks that the way that they lost this game like it really stinks at the way they lost this game was in in the fourth quarter. Uh, LSU is the better team and even without Jaden Daniels, you know, is a good quarterback, right? Like I I think they're I I think he's a, he he's shown that he can be a good passer and he really warmed up in in the second part of that second part of the game. Um but Wisconsin did a good job limiting their rushing game, which I think was a little expected, but again, I th- I think Wisconsin, even in defeat, really sh- availed themselves. It just, it stunk that they lost in the way they did. Um, it, it felt very, it, very discombobulated at the end with the second down fumble, third down and fourth down, just bad plays, negative plays to, to lose the game when Wisconsin had, I think, a really good shot to win the game at the end of that, uh, at the end of regulation. Um, so it was a bummer. But, you know, Wisconsin, I thought, acquitted themselves well. And I think, I think it showed that Phil Longo, as he continues to instill his system, his offense, that it can work with Wisconsin. Uh, I do want to talk about Maryland. I, I thought Maryland would beat Auburn. I did not think it would be that, that big of a beatdown. And uh, listen, Auburn is kind of hot and cold um but they got down early and they just don't have the offensive firepower to to storm back and it's a good win for loxley right like you beat auburn in a bowl game you go 8 and 5 after a dis- like honestly a disappointing season and like i i think I think that's a big win for Loxley. And and I think here's maybe a couple takeaways for the Big Ten. One, they averted disaster. Part of that is Wisconsin playing better than expected. Part of that is Michigan beating vaunted Alabama. I know Alabama's not as good as they have been in the past, but it's still Alabama. It's still Nick Saban. It's still, like, they still have the Bama mystique, Right. And the SEC mystique, quite quite frankly. So that, I mean, that that alone elevates the Big Ten narrative. But I think the other part of this is that while the other kind of top to mid-tier teams really faltered, the, the more bottom of the Big Ten really, really made a statement. Because you look at some of the wins at the bottom of the Big Ten, at least the bottom bowl teams had, you know, obviously not talking about Purdue or or any of those teams, but you you talk about Northwestern beating Utah. I know Utah again had a lot of opt-outs, but you know, Northwestern wins a bowl game. Minnesota wins a bowl game. I know it's bowling green. Whatever. But Minnesota wins wins a game. Rutgers beats Miami to get to seven and six. Maryland beats Auburn. Like those teams have given the Big 10 a bit more credibility similar to how I think the SEC is often looked at right because the SEC when teams beat Kentucky oh that's a big win you know or when teams beat uh you know Auburn oh it's a big or, or when it, Alabama beats Auburn oh that's a big win it was a tough win to to win by one point on a fourth and 31 right and and these Lesser Big Ten teams, and I hate to say lesser, but I would say these maybe lower tier Big Ten teams are holding their own. And the reality is, if you have less opt-outs or, you know, you prepare better for bowls, this this could have been a Big Ten bowl season to remember. It's not, but... I think you have to be very encouraged about the overall strength of the league from top to bottom because Rutgers beat a middle-of-the-pack ACC team. And quite honestly, it, was, it wasn't as close as the final score. Maryland beat up on Auburn with a backup quarterback, by the way, right? Tungvalu didn't play in this game. And so that's a big deal. And then Michigan did not play their A game. And this is at the top, Michigan didn't play their A game against Bama and they won. And so the Big Ten narrative, I think, is in really good shape for one. But also, I think you have to really you have to give a lot of credit to the bot the bot the lower tier of the Big Ten holding its own and punching above its weight in a, in a little bit. Right? Um and that's a big deal, so uh overall, great few days of college football, great days for the big Ten. um would love your thoughts to uh just on on what how you think the big Ten is going? What are your thoughts on Michigan? What are your thoughts on where this team goes? Do they win the national championship in seven days on Monday the eighth? would love your thoughts, thanks for listening. As a final note, I really wanted to just say a few thank yous first of all, thank you all for listening. This has been the best year of the podcast, and a big part of that is you guys because you listen, you share, you leave reviews and you you talk about it with your friends and you engage like I've had the most engagement with you guys this year um, special thanks to to several of 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 a lot of key guys who have often shared Yankee Wolverine. I know you're listening. I know you're grinning from ear to ear right now with the win. Um, I really appreciate all of our interactions. Um, really appreciate, uh, several other listeners that have, have chimed in as well. Um, I Bubba, Matt Greenberg, you know, you guys have been awesome. Uh, Obviously, the guys who always encourage me, uh, dear friends of mine, Chris and Jim Ebersole, Tony Beard. I know you guys probably don't like what I said about Penn State right now, but you guys, I I love having you in my corner and really appreciate you guys um, just from a friendship level. Uh, Big Ten Huddle. um, JR, if you're listening, just really appreciate everything that you've done for me in terms of have me on your show and even giving me tips about using StreamYard and all this other stuff. Uh, Eric Boggs at the OHIO podcast for having me on uh, last minute. I know I've already thanked you guys, but I really from the bottom of my heart really appreciate you guys. Um, And, you know, I know you guys, you know me, I'm a Christian. I am so thankful to, to my Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, I know that can be overplayed, but like in all seriousness, I got into missions work thinking I was leaving sports media. Like I was a a communications major in college. And one of the things I felt like God was calling me away from was media and communications and to uh, ministry. And he's called me to ministry. I love my calling. But the fact that he's given me an avenue to do this, even just as a hobby, uh, man, God is a good God. And I'm very grateful. So that'll do it. Happy 2024. Love you all. Take care. God bless.